Welcome to the intersection of Black culture and horticulture with your girl, Cola B. Talking. And guess what, y'all? We Black in the Garden. Hey, hey Soil Cousins. It's your girl, Cola B. Talking, the hostess with the mostest of the Black in the Garden podcast. Okay, you know, we got a little rhythm. Okay, so we just... Come in, exhilarating, exhilarated. I know words. Let's don't start with me. <laughs> it was me. Let me not start with me. But hey, y'all. Hey, I am here with you. Happy to be here with you. Happy to have you here with me. I have sipped some wine. I haven't finished my first glass yet, but I'm celebrating. We're going to get to that reason why in just a minute. You probably could guess why, but we'll get there. So uh, let's just talk a little bit about the last episode. Just right quick, right quick. Welcome to Black in the Garden, by the way. I, You heard the intro, right? So you know what you're listening to. I assume that it's a fly intro. Shout out to Johnny Ill, who put that together. Um, actually, let's talk about that right quick. I never... I never talked about the intro. I'm actually going to get Johnny on here. But what I want to just go ahead and tell you is that, oh my God, um, if you are an OG, triple OG soil cousin that's been listening since the beginning of Black in the Garden, then you know that when we first started out, there was no intro. There was no theme song. There was no theme music. I mean, what? <laughs> I didn't have resources like that. I didn't know people who did that kind of stuff. Uh, a lot of the the things that have happened or the a lot of the elements that are currently a part of Black in the Garden, the podcast and the brand, because it is a legitimate brand by now. And like I said, we're going to come back to that. But a lot of those elements are have been made possible by community support. Community support has been tremendous and has been uh very important and very trying to find the word. Come on now. It has been just a very, a very crucial element in so many ways. So look, the theme song started as me coming on. Imagine it, or just go back and listen to any episode from season one, me coming on and being like, what's up y'all. Oh, no, what did I say? I said, guess what, y'all? We black in the garden. Hey, because that was me having a vision. A lot of this has to do with me having a vision. But that was me having a vision for how I wanted it to sound. I didn't know exactly how it was going to end up sounding. But by the time I spoke with Johnny Ill, who is like a a very like professional and um uh renowned um sound person i'm trying to find the words cuz I, I i wasn't planning on talking about johnny so my bad johnny for not getting all your credentials correct but let's just put it like this in short johnny has done sound and scores and music and stuff for like hollywood productions so Johnny is too legit to quit. Okay, done, done. So 
I'm sorry. <laughs> that takes me out every time. So Johnny, um, he when I told him about the vision for how I wanted the intro to sound, he understood the assignment. <laughs> That's what the kids be saying these days. Johnny understood the assignment. Uh, I really had literally one conversation with him. I was like, hey, this is how I wanted to sound. I gave him a few references of songs that um, with a, you know, with the sound, the beat, he he created that. That is customized for Black in the Garden. Okay. And um, I'm very proud of it. I'm just, <laughs> it's such a bop. Like, we gonna do something more with that, like extended into here's something else fun fact just roll with me so look y'all um I had so I just had stars in my eyes starting this season and there was so much that I wanted to do so many elements that I wanted to add to the show and one of the elements that I wanted to add that I will add eventually sooner than later later than sooner whatever just stay tuned but I wanted to add a verse to that, I wanted it to come in and, and, you know, maybe just like rap a little bit, maybe even sing. You got to stay tuned. But um, my favorite thing about the intro, I don't know if you noticed this, but it's worth noticing. Once again, worth noting, I'm a Virgo. My birthday is coming up on September 12th. We'll talk more about that as it gets closer to that time on how, you know, you can celebrate with me. Um, but anyway, my birthday coming up though, like take note, September 12th, mark your calendar. Okay. At least text me on that day. Y'all know we got texts, right? So look, here's what happened. My favorite part of that intro is the very beginning where if you're paying attention, you'll notice just the first few seconds of that intro you of the intro, I'm talking about like it's somebody else's intro, my intro, <laughs> just to be clear, you, what do you hear? Have you noticed? It's, it's like birds chirping. What I asked for specifically, cause he, when he first sent me the first draft of the intro, it was, um, it was, a uh, what was it? It was, not with that part. It, that element was not in it. And so I said, hey, Johnny, this is dope. But there's one thing that I would like for you to add. And it is an ambient sound. What I'm going for, what I was going for, and what I hope that you feel and felt, feel, feel, present tense, when you turn on this podcast is the sound of the birds chirping, an ambient outdoor sound. The sound of the birds chirping as if you walked into the garden and then you put on like headphones or you put on earbuds and then that's when the actual like beat comes in and that's when I start talking and that's how you get the intro. That's the intro. Do y'all see what I did there? It was cute. So I asked him to add that and that's that's how we got what we got. And so um, stay tuned to see if I add a verse to that or whatever, but I uh, hope that you heard the last episode, if not, catch up. But the last episode was just me talking, doing what I do best. I was literally just being Cola B talking and I was really, uh, you know, just having a few vulnerable moments. I guess you call it vulnerability, you know, just getting a little bit more personal about sharing 
a, some of my my story, my journey. It, there's so much to it. I've lived so many lives and there's so many experiences that I've had that have made me the um, individual that is, that you are listening to right now. And the evolution of me, of Cola B. Talking, has been rapid, like like a weed. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, I am certainly in a season of bloom. This is definitely blooming time for me. It is August of 2021. And um, this has been... This has been a pretty good year is what I could call it uh, based on my own experience. I don't know what it's been like for y'all. If it's been shitty, I I hate that for you. And I, I could just hope because you are a soil cousin listening to this, whether this is your first episode, hey, if it is, uh, or if you've been listening for a long time, uh, specifically if you've been listening for a long time, I hope that at the very least, you can tune in to Black in the Garden and feel seen and feel welcome. You can talk back to me. I indicated on the last episode and I will continue to indicate. It's in the show notes that you can text me. I want you to save this number, 833-819-3926, okay? Uh, I've received some texts already from the last episode because I've only indicated that on the last episode. So I know that whoever texted me did so as a result of feeling welcome to do that from me giving that invitation on the last episode. So once again, check the show notes or if you your hands are free, add this into your phone. Get your phone ready. I know it's you got to go to the contact screen. You got to put the, the you know, smartphones. You got to tap a bunch of shit. So go out of the podcast app because you should be able to still continue listening and do me a favor. Um, like, seriously, this is this is the question of the week. Uh, last week, the question was, where are you listening? How do you listen to Black in the Garden? This week, the question is, what podcatch podcatcher are you listening on? Podcatcher just is a cute word uh, that us podcasters use for uh, podcasting platforms. Um, the most popular pl- podcasting platforms are Spotify and Apple, but I am aware of like Stitcher and iHeartRadio and it's so many. Don't get me started. Don't get me started. But wherever you're listening from, I want to know. Um, there's analytics that I have access to that tell me stuff. And if I'm honest, I don't all the way trust those analytics because that's a whole nother story. I'm not going to bore you with technical details of how podcasting works. But at the very least, you have my number. Please text me. If you haven't texted me yet, it is important to me. I would like to hear from you. You get an earful of me every damn week, and I just want a text from you. That's not even an even exchange, but you know what I'm saying. Also, the podcast is free. Okay. I know I'd be asking y'all to, to become a patron and all that other kind of stuff, which you should. Patreon.com slash forward slash back in the garden. That's in the show notes too. Become a patron, obviously. Like support monetarily if you can. But if nothing else, if nothing else, just holler at your girl. It's a text. There's no pressure. There's it's just say hi. Even if you literally just say hi. 
I'm gonna feel that much more seen. I'm gonna feel like you actually, you know, cared enough to 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 holler at me. So perhaps you didn't get to do it last time, but uh, you still have an opportunity. Text me 833-819-3926, okay? Text me and let me know what platform you are listening on. I, you don't have to say a whole bunch of stuff. It's no pressure. You could literally just drop that. You just text me Spotify. Just text me Rocket Cast or Google Podcast or wherever you're listening from. I want to know. That's it. Okay. So, yeah. So far, we're about to get into this episode. I, I'm excited about that. We're getting to that. But we talked a little bit about the last episode. Um we we about to talk about why why I'm celebrating, why I'm sipping wine. Um, we talked about the intro, you know what I'm saying? Boom, boom, boom. We're getting to it. We're getting to it. But it is August. It is time for fall planting. I have been super busy and occupied and trying to figure out what's going on with my kids and COVID and school and all that other kind of stuff. Not going to bore you with my drama, but it, it's been a lot. And I'm saying all that to say that my plans for summer, not summer, fall sowing and fall gardening, they're a little bit delayed. I really like to start from seed. Gosh, I like to start from seed. Like, <laughs> it just make me feel like, because, you know, like, for example, our ancestors, they didn't go down to the plant shop and buy started tomatoes and shit. Like, they had to start... <laughs> They had to start from seed. And not only did they start from seed, but they also, come on, they also had to preserve their own seeds. So much knowledge. Like this ancestral, listen. So it's a reason, I guess, like let's chalk it up to my desire to start my own seeds being kind of a way to, to feel like that kind of connection with my ancestors. And maybe I'm being fake deep, but like for real, but for real, I feel like that was a very good point. I'm glad that, that, that came up very organically like that, but it's true though. We cannot deny the fact that, uh, being able to purchase seeds somewhere, shout out to seedmail.com, seed, seed, what, seedmailseed.co, go get y'all some seeds. Black in the Garden is the code that you use at checkout, boo. Okay, save 10%, if I'm not mistaken. Um, shout out to the Seed Slayer. You know where you can find those episodes between between season one and season two, I believe. But yeah, so look, we didn't... Seed Mail is a, is a very new company in the, you know, in the scope of seed companies. Love her down, by the way, of course. But... My point was, before there was packaged seeds, people been planting since literally the beginning of time. And like, it's just interesting how it came up just now because it's like, do you ever think about that? Like, once again, this is not a scripted show. So if, for me to say what I just said, it's like it literally just came up for me. And now I'm going to be thinking about that. <laughs> I'm gonna be thinking about that because that's a really um it's it's relevant and it's it's um you know what? D never mind. I'm not gonna go there. Cause y'all know me, I'll ramble. I will do that. I'm not gonna try to do that on this episode or whatever. But anyway, yeah, so text me. Okay, I, I was saying all that to say, 
As far as fall planting goes, that I have not quite done that yet. Of course, we know our ancestors did not have the privilege, I guess, of going down to whatever plant place to buy started plants. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to learn that there were, you know, exchanges and swapping of started plants because I'm I'm sure that was a thing, but you know, plants of plants and seeds and and plant related type of ways to buy plants. It's definitely, you know, the capitalism of it all has uh, made it so that <clears throat> there's a lot of products that we can just go and readily purchase to make gardening that much more um, or that much less of a hassle and that much more stress-free. That's not the word I was trying to say, but basically, you know, it allows us to skip a few steps of the process. And um, so, yeah, I'm still going to plant some seeds. I'm at least going to get some collards going and some kale. I really just want to have... Uh, a beautiful abundance of leafy greens. That's that's my top priority is to grow leafy greens, especially lettuce. I can't say that I've ever had much success with growing lettuce. I'm not even going to lie to y'all. I'm not going to lie. I haven't had much success at growing lettuce. Whatever. You, don't judge me. Don't judge your mama. <laughs> but also like ask her for her tips on growing collard greens if she know. Um, and text me. It's always going to come back to that. I'm going to bug the shit out of y'all about texting me until you text me. Okay, I'm not trying to be a bugaboo. I just want to hear from my soil cousins because, like I said, I sit up here and holler at y'all for hours a month. All right, so I want to hear back from y'all. So um, text me your your leafy green tips. Let me know what you're growing, sowing, where you at. Tell me what your hardiness zone is and so on and so forth. I can't wait to hear from you. And shout out to those of you who texted me from last week, okay? I texted everybody back. Mm -hmm. So I have a 100% reply rate at this point, and I'm proud of that. Something else that I'm proud about is the coloring book. Y'all didn't think that I was gonna have an episode of Black in the Garden without announcing that by now, we have sold over 100 copies of the Black in the Garden coloring experience. It is an experience. It is 22 pages of botanical Black excellence. And if you are listening and you haven't got your copy yet, you still have time. Unlike the t-shirts, this is not a limited run. I am going, it is my mission to get this to as many of y'all as possible, and you deserve it. We deserve to be represented. We deserve to be seen. Black in the Garden is absolutely, you should know this by now, it is a podcast that exists to help Black plant people feel seen and heard, especially, obviously, like, you're, you'll feel seen, but, you know, it's it's the hearing, it's audio. So there's that. But yeah, the coloring book is just, it serves so many purposes, representation being number one. And just, oh, wow. I just can't wait to get this book into the hands of Black kids. Um, I have some plans. Um, we'll talk more about that in the coming weeks. There's so much more that is going to be happening with the coloring book. Shout out to those of you who have already made your purchases. 
Text me if you already got yours. I actually, um, one of the, Stevie, what's up, Stevie? I don't, I'm assuming I can say your name. I didn't say your last name. But Stevie had texted me and I was like, what's up, Stevie? And then um, we, we, we exchanged um, texts and I was like, Stevie, did you get the coloring book? And then Stevie was like, oh, my bad. And Stevie went and got two coloring books. Okay, so... <laughs> Do the same. Get like Stevie. Shout out to Stevie. So that had happened. The coloring book is available. The link is in the, in, I was about to say in the bio. Child, I thought I was on Instagram for a minute. But you should be following me on Instagram by now. But for sure, check the link that is in the show notes so that you can get your Black in the Garden coloring experience. It's only $10. Like it's it's priced pretty well as far as accessibility and it is 11 by 11. Uh, so it's giving you kind of like a calendar vibe. It looks really cute on the coffee table. It's not a shy size. And by that, I mean, it is a, a nice size. What I love about the coloring book is it, it, in thinking about it being for children and for adults, um, I was very intentional about, well, let me stop lying. It's a large book, okay? So let me let me clarify. That's not... Because I wasn't lying. That's not what I was doing. I, don't, I wouldn't lie to you. I, that, I have integrity. That matters to me. But when you... Those of you who have the coloring book, you know what I'm talking about. There's a lot of large spaces that are generally easier for children to color. Um, like some of the faces are close up. And so, you know, it's easier to color those those um, larger portions. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of, you know, um, kind of negative space with the way that it's laid out and the way that you have, like, there's a lot of negative space towards the bottom where you can color it in and kind of give, like, a, a grassy kind of feel. I've been using my own product, so I know what time it is. So, um but there's a lot of open space that is like easier. If you get what I'm saying, if you're a person who enjoys coloring books, it's easier to color when you have a larger space. But then there are also some details that are a little bit more <clears throat> tiny. So those are the, the parts when you're coloring those in that take a little bit more motor skill that tend to be, um, I guess, kind of giving more of an adult vibe. So I'm just kind of giving y'all a little emphasis on on what to expect if you haven't gotten yours yet, if you either have already ordered and haven't received it yet, or if you haven't ordered. I was going to say no pressure, but no, like all the pressure. If you're listening to this podcast, I you should get a book like this is your your opportunity to actually engage with the the physical representation of the podcast. Sure, we have t-shirts, but you know, you wear a t-shirt, you get it sweaty or whatever, you take it off and then you're done. But a coloring book is a whole different way to engage, which is why I was intentional about dubbing it the experience. Shout out to Paula Champagne, aka at MakerChamp on Instagram for these incredible designs. And of course, every person that is featured in the coloring book is a previous guest of the podcast and um 
everybody who, and they have all received one or should have received one by the time this episode comes out, everybody's excited and thrilled about it. The response has been tremendous and overwhelming, and I am grateful, super grateful to y'all for for all this support and all this love. I, I can tell by now that this book, this coloring book, is definitely going to go far and wide. It is also available internationally. Far and wide is not me just speaking generically, like everybody can get it. Everybody can get it, okay? So very excited about that. We do have a new t-shirt color, Forest, all right? Like we black in the forest. What is a forest besides a garden full of trees? Am I right? (laughs) So we have like a cute um, dark green with the um, signature mustard color uh, Black in the Garden logo on the pocket. And that shit is sold out. Like by the time you hear this, last time I checked before I recorded this, which is a few days before you hear it, there was three left. So I, they're sold out. Let's just call it that. But just check the website just in case. You never know. <clears throat> it was a very limited run. Uh, so they are no more. But shout out to those of you who got yours because you understood the assignment. Okay. So look, getting to the episode because it is about time to get started. I never carry on this long, but I'm excited. It's fine. It's fine. Just rock with me. So, hey. We are talking with Carla, the founder and owner of Olive Floral. This episode was recorded in early spring, okay? It was originally intended to be a Mother's Day episode, but if you heard the Mother's Day episode, then you know this wasn't it, all right? Uh, I just was thinking along the lines of, ooh, floristry, floral, you know, let's, you know, give mothers their flowers, yeah, give moms their flowers, but it didn't quite work out that way. So it's fine. It's it's no big deal. We've been having a good time, haven't we? We've been having a good time. So uh, this was an episode. Oh, my God. <sighs> this episode was, I, I listened back to the, the conversation, and it was just as fun to listen to as it was to record. Carla is so fun, so cool, and, and just relaxed and chill and charming. And uh, just a very approachable kind of um, kind of young lady. And so I just had such an enjoyable experience being in conversation with her. And it comes through. You'll hear it. You'll, you'll feel it. And that is really a part of the magic of the Black in the Garden podcast is conversations like this. And just listening back, it, it makes me remember why I started because I was enjoying it. I'm laughing at me. I make myself laugh, okay? If I make y'all laugh, which I I hope that y'all do, I hope that I bring y'all some joy, then just know that I'm able to enjoy that as well, especially listening back to the episode, uh, listening to the interview, rather. And I was just like, wow, oh gosh, that was so fun. You know, if this wasn't something that I was putting out, I guess it would hit a little bit different. But Take it from me, not only being a client, but the president. (laughs) If you know, you know that reference. That's a 90s reference. That's an 80s baby reference. But look, it is really just amazing to be able to enjoy my own production 
And I really, really enjoyed this conversation with Carla. She's done some amazing, incredible things in the floral industry. She, as you'll hear, worked on some really uh, prestigious projects. And since the time of the interview, she has done some even more remarkable things and worked with some uh, brands. Like, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, follow her on Instagram. Uh, that's in the show notes. Her handle is, I don't want to say it wrong, but she's uh, she's worked with Dior, y'all. Like, you know, like the designer Dior. That's recent, like as in the last few weeks. This just in. So we obviously didn't talk about that when we recorded it because that was months ago. But it's fine. It's fine. You know, pre-production, uh, you record when you record, you get it how you get it. That's just you know, the magic of podcasting, I guess. So without further ado, let us go ahead and get into this episode. There was actually a few more things that I want to bring up, but I cannot believe that I've carried on for this long. <laughs> but I'm excited and I'm feeling good. And um, I'm I'm very grateful overall just to be in company with you all and to be able to... Uh, entertain you and enrich and inspire you on a weekly basis. I don't take it for granted. Like I say all the time, you could be listening to any old thing. There are so many other podcasts, YouTube videos, TikToks, and all that other shit, but you're listening to Black in the Garden right now. And I am thrilled about it. And I want you to listen to this episode in its entirety and check the show notes for ways to support and so on and so forth. Get you a coloring book. That's it. Text me. to That's your assignment. Understand the assignment. If you don't get a coloring book, no hard feelings or whatever, but texting is free. Okay. Um, everybody should have free text by now. This is not like 2004. So <laughs> y'all enjoy this episode and love, light, and soil until next week. So on today's episode of Black in the Garden, I am very pleased to have this conversation, which just feels like a continuation of a conversation because my guests are amazing. And so no different, no less. We are speaking today with Carla Smith-Brown, who is the owner and the creative director of Olivey Floral. It's fancy, y'all. <laughs> Welcome, Carla. Thank you. I'm so excited to, to speak with you. I'm excited to have you. Let's start with our theme for this season. The question being, how have plants added value to your life? I have a ton of plants. So even though I sell cut flowers, I don't I don't sell plants, but I have a ton of plants in my in my apartment. And I'm obsessed with plants. Like it's like they bring life into your space. It's something to take care of. Like I don't have any pets and I live alone. So it's just like, you know, sometimes I'll talk to my plants, something to like boost my mood. Don't they do all that? I mean, everything that you said is like definitely in the top five reasons why people even have plants. Right. And Look at them doing what they do best and adding value to your life in that way. Yeah. So your first plant, do you remember when that was like when you acquired your very first plant or was it more so along the lines of you being in a, a space, you know, like a familial space 
where you just had plants and maybe you just adopted one? Growing up, I would always be in the garden with my aunt. So like we'd always be planting plants in the garden and seeds. That always was such a fun thing for me, like planting seeds and watching them grow. Like as a child, that was like so inspiring and like just like such a fun journey to watch something grow, you know? But I do remember like when I first moved to New York and I bought my first plant for my apartment. Oh, I actually still have it. It was a rubber plant. Yeah, my very first one was a rubber plant. And I got it on sale at this shop by my house because it was kind of sad. Oh, a rescue. (laughs) Exactly, it was a rescue. They're like, it's okay, just give it some plant food and like, it'll be fine. I'm like, okay. So I did, and it was a tiny little baby rubber. And now it's like probably three feet tall. Like it's huge and like happy and needs to be repotted. Is that a ficus? Is that what that is? Yeah. Is that like the fiddle leaf fig? Some people call it rubber tree. Oh, so I have the, I have a fiddle leaf as well, but no, oh. the rubber's a little different. Most of them, you can get different color variations, but um, the one I that I that. have and that you see most of the time, it's like a dark purplish kind of leaf. Yes. And the undertone is like, is like a green undertone. It's like not purplish really. It's like yeah, green. it's yeah. like a very rich really deeply kind of melanated for lack of a better word when you see them and they look in extra right they'll be a bit shiny yes exactly okay yes it's a common misconception undoubtedly so you started with that plant and that was your first plant when you moved in a rescue yeah, it was a rescue, and now it's a strong baby. Would you say that, okay, so when you first found this plant, you felt like I could add value to this plant, and then what did it end up doing? It definitely, I mean, as cliche as it is. It's not cliche. It reciprocated. It definitely did, yeah. There are levels to it when we say the circle of life. Honestly, like, And also just something to take care of. Like you get joy from that when you pour love into something and then you see how it is thriving because of the love that you've given it. It's just light, you know? You've been on a journey with, does she have a name? Oh, no. Wow. I I don't name any of my plans. I just call them by what they are. Like my little Jade, you know? That's fine. No, it's totally fine because not everybody does it. i mostly don't do I really don't I could name a plant two days ago last week and go back to that same plant and be like like it never happened because I'm not going to remember you know what I'm saying I got like a lot going on up here but including talking to amazing people like you and making a whole podcast about like (laughs) we got and then look at you the creative director and founder of Olive Floral yes so who got time to be naming plants you are engaging with so many plants most recently we're going to get into the olivey of it all and grandma and the name and all of that but since we're already here and i'm excited about this floral arrangement that you did a rose it was this huge what was that called oh, it was so big rose arrangement. yeah what was it it was just a, like a giant size rose arrangement i pushed it on like a flatbed cart to deliver it like it was <laughs> it was Whoa. really big and really heavy and yeah I used 300 stems of fresh 300 
Was this for Leonardo DiCaprio? Like, what happened? I mean, it wasn't. You went to Oprah house, didn't you? (laughs) I wish. Oh, damn. I mean, you might not know that you delivered a whole custom arrangement to Beyonce because she's not going to tell you her real name. I mean, it really could have been, I guess, but it was definitely like a notable person, but 300 stems just in on a random day. This wasn't even like Mother's Day, Valentine's Day. It's just like 300 stems. What? 300 stems. Baller alert. It's like amazing. That's the kind of life I want to be living. So yeah. yeah, it was definitely the biggest arrangement that I've ever did like for delivery. It was interesting because the client, they had a very specific design direction. They wanted to design it uh, with the shape of a spade on one side. So basically it was all white roses in like big, like nosegay style. And then on one side, I had a giant spade in red roses. Whoa, wait, whoa. Inside joke with the client and the recipient. I'm getting like a Mad Hatter vibe right now. I don't know. I don't know. I just don't know. Let's talk a little bit more about that arrangement. I'm just, my curiosity is peaked. First and foremost, how long would you estimate that it would last? I mean, roses do last pretty long. So I would say like a week to 10 days. Okay. And ooh. So start to dry, which is like not terrible. But yeah, mm-hmm. you, you get the, the best out of them for the first week at least. Right. And you really did beat me to my my follow-up question about how to preserve the roses after they have reached their peak, as in drying them or any of the other. Well, tell us about some of the traditional ways that people keep up with flowers after the life has kind of left them. It's really important for me to try to find, give flowers other life. I love drying my flowers. I mean, some flowers do dry better than others, but roses dry beautifully. And I really do like to wait until roses are like at their peak bloom once they've opened up so full before they start to lose their petals that's Mm. when I like to take them and dry them so like right before they're expiring then I just take them and I hang them upside down and dry them simple as that yeah that's like a very easy way of drying your flowers and like making sure they're in a space where there's like good airflow um Mm -hmm. not too humid that will always help the drying process. But some other things that I like to do with like other types of flowers that don't necessarily dry as well is press them. For most flowers, you could even just as simply get a huge book and take the flower head, like cut just the head off mm-hmm. and lay it flat, kind of like just press it down flat in yes. on the page. Your favorite book of poetry. Exactly. And it's like, you can get some beautiful pressed flowers. Like I love pressing poppies. Pressing poppies is like just so gorgeous because their petals are, are already very thin. So yes, very tissuey. Yeah. So you press it and it just mm, looks like fabulous. Like See through. Yeah. It's like so beautiful. So I like doing that. And then another thing, I don't typically do it, but I work with this artist who creates botanical dyes using mm. flowers. So every week I give her team my flower waste. So like broken flower heads, blooms that I can't use, like instead of throwing them away, then I give them to her and then she uses them to create the dyes that she 
makes to like dye clothing and create like dyeing kits. The sustainability of it. Wow. Okay. You are getting into the sustainability element. So you've already given us a beautiful suggestion for something that we can do to extend the life of the flower or actually to just really take it. No, I don't like to use the term take advantage of, but to benefit from every stage of that plant's decomposition. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. And it's so funny that I, I'm talking about like pressed flowers. So like I have some pressed flowers here, actually. She just took it out of her Malcolm X book because, you know, that is a thick one. Okay. What is that? This is... Un- it's a very lilac looking... I'm just describing to the listeners. I'm looking at you, but tell us what we're looking at. This is an anemone flower. Can you spell that? A-N-E-M-O-N-E. Big, broad petals and a nice, hearty center. Is it totally dry? Yeah, so it's totally dry and it's been pressed and super and like totally flat. Because what I usually do is create these like pressed flower frames. I'm literally, I was not planning on showing this to you, but <laughs> so okay. this is one of the frames. And that looks like an antique. Yeah, so I like to like kind of design a pressed arrangement in the frames and then I'll sell the frames um, like that. I haven't done them in a while, but I've been like pressing flowers so that I can have like a nice arsenal of flowers to choose from and then design different frames. That's brilliant. Wow. Yet another source of inspiration for a Mother's Day gift. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so let's let's rewind it back because we're going to get into Mother's Day and sustainability. Y'all, just stay tuned. Let's get into the origin of the name of Olive Floral because we were just kind of talking about it a little bit before we got started. But the people need to know, first of all, how it's pronounced. Right. Okay, so Olive it's spelled olive with an extra E. So it's like a hard E sound, Olive so Olive is the name of my great-grandmother, who's from St. Elizabeth in Jamaica. And she's just a boss. Like, she's just a badass lady. Yeah. <laughs> she was just such a boss. Like, she ran her whole town. Like, everybody mm. knew Miss Olive And there's just, like, so many stories growing up that I would always hear about Granny Olive Yeah. Not taking no mess. No, ever. Up until her 80s, like early 90s, she was still running her whole farm area. She had like her own house with her farm and a three-legged dog, cows and pigs. And like, she like just ran the show, you know? She'd have like guys drive her around. She was just a boss. So like, I try to bring Miss Olive's energy. It's Um, very important to, especially as Black women, to have an influence like that in our life, to see, it's not so much as just, oh, she was a strong woman. Sometimes that can actually be a little bit problematic, just the consideration of Black women as strong in ways that aren't necessary all the time. But to see someone who was clearly not afraid to be in charge of something, to let people know this is how it's going to go. And this is also what we're not going to do. Exactly. And like very independent. But it's true. It's like sometimes, yeah, we always say like, yeah, strong Black women, strong Black women, or, you know, like you're so strong, you can deal with anything. But it's like sometimes like, why do we have to deal with all the things? 
Right. Well, I don't know how that strong shit really. It's just like I be tired sometimes. Actually, <laughs> I want like a glass of lemonade or maybe somebody to wait on me. Yeah, let a me vacation. And like, just because I can doesn't mean I should always need to be taking over everything or having Seriously. everything on my shoulders. Yeah, sometimes I just want to chill with a beautiful arrangement of three hundred roses exactly. and that's my business exactly. so shout out to grandmother olivy who is the namesake which i there's a special place in my heart for black women run businesses that are named after a matriarch in their family i don't know what it is about it can you speak to that yeah, I mean, for me, it's just like continuing my family's legacy. Like, oh, that's what I think it is. it's so important to kind of just pay homage to like where we're from and mm-hmm. our roots and our ancestors. And like, I didn't grow up in Jamaica, but I my family's Jamaican and I have very close ties with my heritage. So it's just like, how can I bring that and honor that and honor that part of my culture and who I am in the work that I do currently? I think it's just important. It's just like kind of just continuing your family's legacy, finding ways. That's beautiful. Let's go back to the beginning of Olivy. How long since you started it? I started it in 2019, January 2019. The summer before that, I had actually gone to Jamaica and visited. I mean, I've been, it's my first time in Jamaica as an adult. So that was a really special trip for me. Like the last time I was there was probably when I was like 12 or something. So that was a, mm-hmm. that made it an even more important trip. But I also went to Granny Olivy's grave site where her house was. Her house, when I was younger, like we stayed in her house, but her house had since been burned down. So like I visited like that, her land plot and her gravesite, and also just like explored more in the, in St. Elizabeth, which is a parish in Jamaica and it's known as the breadbasket of Jamaica. So it's mm-hmm. like very, very lush. It's like such a lush parish in, in the island. Like also so many fruits, like so many different types of mangoes you can get in St. Elizabeth, like come from St. Elizabeth. Oh, you know, like yes. it's, it's just a very lush part of the country. I just felt so inspired by being there. And I had already been starting to think about what I want to do next, transitioning into more of a creative career path. But that trip and the inspiration and the feeling I felt from like being in the land of my family was very inspiring for me. And I think that like catapulted. And that's when I realized it was on the plane back to New York that I realized when I was thinking of names for my business, I'm like, oh my God, all of you, like, that's it. It's a dope name. I mean, if y'all could just all agree to say it correctly, (laughs) it would go that much more smoothly for Carla. You did mention that your grandmother did not love that name all the time. So my grandmother has no problems with the name. Like she... Your mother. No, it was my aunt. So yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I'm sorry. My aunt, her middle name was all... She was named after um, Granny. And so her middle name was Olive. But in the hospital, they messed it up and they spelt it Olive. So then for her whole life, she had to be trying to correct people like, oh no, 
oh, it's actually supposed to be Olive B. And then it, but it would say Olive. It was just like a whole thing. Hated the middle name. She hated that she had to be like, she just hated the whole thing. <laughs> Interestingly enough, I know that you, you might think that that's something that could have been a mistake made in the older times, but that actually happened to me with my government name. I mean, my name is not actually Olive or Olive E. That's not the point. My government name ends with an E, but it was intended to end with an A. It kind of reminds me of <laughs> like on social media when there'll be some rag talking about a black celebrity and then they'll like mix up Alfre Woodard with Whoopi Goldberg or something. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like put some respect on my right? name. Come on. It's the very least you could do. Or maybe we could just honestly say the maternity ward was thumping that night morning or whatever, and they just mixed it up. But still, now somebody got to go through life. Right? Correcting. Well, then do you correct? Or like, I guess you have to, then do you go through the process of like legally changing it? It's just like a lot of work. What did you do with your name? With my name, it's just kind of like a very, very obscure fact about me. But it is actually not something that I've ever really asserted. Oh, no, it's, it's no, I just went with what was on the birth certificate. Okay. That was easier. I mean, I didn't really know this until I was older and yeah. after I had already been established as it's what's on the paper. But unfortunately for your aunt, and was this the same aunt that you were gardening with? Yeah. So you, I'm sure that she probably let off some of that frustration in the garden. Sure. It's a good place. Yeah, it was definitely a touchy subject that we were mm -hmm. like, you know, you wouldn't really bring up her middle name. <laughs> okay, like, let's just not go there. Yeah. So, okay, 2019 was when you recognized, because you mentioned creativity. You said something along the lines of wanting to do something more creative. And that's what kind of led you to this journey of beginning with Olive Floral. Did you have previous floral experience? Like talk us through before you went to Jamaica and who you were and, and what you were envisioning for yourself and how you actually got the whole thing together or going. Well, no. So I didn't have floral experience. What? I was working in marketing and communications. I was like working like a corporate job at a fun mm. company, but I'd been doing that for so long. And like, I just wanted to do something with my hands. I was just really interested in working with my hands and doing something yeah. more creative. And I noticed that the flower industry was changing. First, I started to kind of think back of things that bring me joy. And like one of the things mm. I remembered was being in the garden. Even after I graduated college and mm. had no idea what I was doing, my saving grace was just being in my mother's garden and like just planting vegetables and flowers because like that just made me feel better. Yes. And so you were out there in the garden, that, recognizing that as a source of peace. That just helped me think of my next move to, like, that was the summer before I moved to New York. So I was just like, I don't know, being in the garden just gave me so much clarity and so much satisfaction Ooh. and just brought me so much joy. Putting your energy and love into something and then watching it grow, like it's work being in the garden, you know? But like mm -hmm. when you see your garden after and you also see your vegetables coming in, it's just like, and then you're eating the food that you grew. It's just like, 
Unmet. It's metaphorical as fuck. <laughs> right? It really is. There's just so many. <laughs> That's why I had to say it like that. Because I'm like, let's just keep it very simple. When I was like burnt out from my job and was thinking about what I want to do next, I just thought about different things that brought me joy. And having my hands in the dirt was one of them. And so I knew I didn't want to be a landscaper, actually. <laughs> I mean, there's so many ways. The term that we use around here is entrepreneurship, which you are certainly involved in. I mean, that's a huge point of interest, obviously. Yeah. But landscaping is generally associated with like some significant labor. Right, exactly. I'm just not at that point that I want to be uh-huh. right now, you know? So I... Like cross that one out. Yeah, so I'm like, okay. no. But I did enjoy always having fresh flowers in my home. So I would just go to the mm. store or like bodega by my house and just buy a bunch of flowers and like, you know, have them in the home. That was something I loved. And I noticed that a lot of florists were shifting the industry and like it was becoming more, a lot of floors that I admire are taking unique artistic approaches to their design styles rather than following the same traditional formulas for how a flower arrangement looks or how a flower shop operates. Um, mm. so intriguing to me. Um, innovation. Innovation, yeah. That kind of just made me decide to like take some classes. And then I eventually started working at a flower shop where I really learned way more than any class could ever teach me. Is very hands-on. And that was such a good learning experience. Also just relationship building. And then I've just grown the business from there. Then I launched all of B and I, it's been like a growing experience as I've gone through it as well, you know. One of the things that stood out to me is the concept of you not having experience in this creative thing, but you know that there's some joy that is attached to it. And you started off just in a, in a corporate occupation and you recognized that you wanted to do more, that like you could get more out of your life if only your occupation was more in alignment with that source of joy, which that's a major key. I hope that y'all got that. That was a little gem, okay? A big gem, if you will. What I really love about that, once again, is hearing it from a Black woman, is that that is not a narrative that is generally associated with how Black women <laughs> live their lives. Do you mind telling us how old you were when you got started with that or when you got started on your journey? I was 31. That's an interesting year. You know, it's around the time of the Saturn return. Yeah, I think it was like when I was 30, I was like, okay, what's what's going on? I need mm -hmm. to like figure this out. And then I think, you know, how the, the association is very much eat, pray, love. You know, you just have a revelation that you need to kind of figure out how to live a life that is, I didn't even see the movie. Let me just not even lie to y'all. Like I saw it. I didn't see it. I get the I concept. I didn't see it either. But you know, I get it though. You know, we all get the concept. We don't have to watch the movie. We get the Yeah. <laughs> we got the Cliff Notes. You know, we got the IMDBs and things. I just wanted to remark on that and just make some space for that. And that being a very beautiful thing. It's, it's good to know that we are in a place where of course we still have a lot of work to do and, and Black women are certainly not receiving as much of positive light and things as, as we should, but we are evolving in our choices and our options and the way that we approach life are absolutely evolving as well. 
So I'm very appreciative, very grateful to have you share that part of your story with you. That's why I just felt like, hey, let's just revisit that a little bit. So I appreciate you indulging that. Thank you. Yeah, no, I think it's so important. I mean, so that same aunt that I mentioned previously, she had passed away right before I went to Jamaica. She passed away suddenly. So that trip to Jamaica was so like a trip for me and her two daughters who are like my sisters to like a tragic, tumultuous time. So then we went to Jamaica to kind of like recalibrate. Her passing was a very, it was an awakening for me at the same time, Mm. because it was like, she gave so much of her life to her job. By the end of it, she got a new boss and like the boss was not treating her right. It just made me think, you know what? We give so much, you sacrifice so many things like your personal well-being, your personal health, your family. Your time. Your time for your job. And it's like, is it bringing you any satisfaction? Like at the end of the day, like, is it bringing you joy? Is it bringing you any satisfaction? Is it adding to your life and your well-being other than just giving you a paycheck? So that's when I'm like, you know what? Life's way too short to be giving, like, you know, breaking my back and giving everything to a company that can turn around one day and just be like, you know what? We're good on you, you know? Yeah, like, because you don't know. There's no loyalty with these people. There's no loyalty. (laughs) Shout out to those of you who enjoy some semblance of loyalty. If you're in a position where, you know, I get it. Like, I'm not even going to sit up here and be saying that people that have traditional jobs are any less valid. That's not the point because you got to do what you got to do. Exactly. Everybody makes decisions for themselves and everybody's in a different position. You know, I think that's also a position of privilege, to be honest, to be able to say, you know what? is this making me happy? Like, maybe I should not do this anymore. You know, like, so I can totally acknowledge that. I, If I had, like, I don't know, a family, like, if I had kids and, like, yeah. a mortgage, maybe I couldn't just be like, okay, I'm just going to quit my job, you know? Like, <laughs> Very true. <laughs> yeah, acknowledging that, too. But that's something that I feel is very important. I want to do work that makes me feel satisfied and fulfilled and, like, valued. We deserve. I'm going to dig a little bit deeper and get into the history of it, make some connections, whatever, all right? If you consider the history of what our ancestors had to go through, especially in regards to, you know, trauma from the transatlantic slave trade. Now, I'm not even going to sit up here and assume specifically about your family, as I understand your grandmother being from Jamaica, but understanding across the diaspora, it's not like... Africans were only just taken from Africa and came straight to the Americas. You know, there were stops along the way. Jamaica was certainly one of them. And there's just so much, whether it had been on American soil or anywhere else, any other site in the diaspora, Black women just traditionally have not had an easy go of things. A lot of agency over just being able to make as many choices as you've indicated that you had the privilege, have enjoyed the privilege to be able to make. But don't we deserve it though? Absolutely. We deserve. We deserve all the things. Absolutely. So, you know, even though it is not a common part of the narrative of the adult life of the Black woman, it absolutely should be creating beautiful floral arrangements because I'm a boss. I'm creative director of this bitch. And that's what I want to do. So tell us about some of your favorite creations. 
and the ways that you are getting joy in life from being in the position that you hold at Olive Floral? Well, yeah, I mean, I've been blessed with some great opportunities. Last summer, I did, like, I led the floral design for a music video, J-Lo and Maluma music video, which was amazing. Credentials. Yeah, it was basically like a mansion scene. I mean, the song is called Patty. I don't know if you guys want to look it up, you know, you just might I'm going to have to look it up, you know. But there's the one opening scene where she's sitting on this balcony and she's like surrounded by flowers that overlook a beautiful terrace. You did that. Yeah. And it was And like when I was booked for that, I didn't even know it was going to be for J-Lo until last minute. I'm like, what? I just, whoa. Yeah, that was really cool. And just seeing my work on video was really fun. A highlight. Go off. That was definitely a highlight. I didn't even know. Congrats on that. That's exciting to know. I mean, I don't know what it is. Well, I guess we all know kind of on some level, but to have your work featured in a setting where it's very much like there's only professional, there's like a high end vibe going on. And to be a part of a production like that, that's the word I'm looking for, production. It is definitely a milestone for some. For some people, it's all the time. It's just like, oh, it does this. But for you, you're like, wait, you're telling me J-Lo is going to come out at any minute now? (laughs) Right, exactly. Where's my lip balm? Right? Like, hey, girl. Right? (laughs) Yeah, no, that was awesome. And then more recently in March, I worked on this editorial spread that I did like a big flower moment for. And it was shot by a photographer I really admire, Renelle Medrano. And it was uh, styled by Siobhan Lee, a stylist that I super admire. And yeah. seven page spread and like I did all the set design Ooh. for it and all the floral moments for it and you did set design and floral yeah so these are no. not the same thing no they're not the same thing and like I've never led set design before on like a shoot like I've always let me find out your resume is deeper <laughs> than I what you had a flex go ahead and flex then set design so that was super fun too. Like looking at this, like Elle magazine, going to yeah. Barnes Noble and picking up an issue of Elle magazine and looking through and like seeing my name and seeing my work, like that is beyond actually. Also Incredible. so much fun to work on it and work with other artists that like I have so much admiration for. Absolutely. And while we're on the subject of artists that you have a lot of admiration for, Black florists or floral designers, floral arrangers, just in that space of floristry, who are some of your favorites? So Maurice from Bloom and Plume. Oh, Maurice! Hey, Maurice! He's listening. Yes, Maurice, come on the show. I'm claiming it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, he was like one of my biggest inspirations for even getting into the industry. Like super talented designer, but I think something that I love the most about him is his commentary and just like his personality. Yes. Hilarious. I find myself reading paragraphs in his Insta captions and I'm like, this has nothing to do with it. Have you watched his lives though? Because Maurice is a a show. Okay. Right. Yes, his unboxing videos. It is such a good time. And the first time I saw, I didn't know what to expect, but I was just like, 
Okay, I will be back. I feel like I just set the channel on like the channel for me because I am feeling this. Yeah, yeah. He's singing. He's giving you like peplum face masks. It's a great time, y'all. I'll put that in the show description. Yeah, no, he's he's awesome. So he's definitely an artist that I that I really really admire. Bia from Bia Blooms, Tabia. Yes, go girl. Yeah, she's doing her thing, you know. She really is. Yeah. Somebody that's not a florist, but that I love, Ron Finley. I think we spoke about Ron Finley, maybe. Of course. Ron Finley is like America's gangster gardener. I feel like that's the best way to put it. I'm not going to go get too far off in the weeds with Ron, but we definitely recognize him as like the people's champ of gardening. Exactly. Yeah. That's another good way to put it, to take the gangster out. The people's champ of gardening, honestly, and also just like, yeah, just recalibrating how you think about gardening and how you think about food and how you think about like, I think his whole approach to gardening is audacity, very, you know, like he's been an inspiration to me even before I knew that I was going to be a florist. Like, I was just wow. like, oh, yeah, no, don't. Yes, I yeah, I am with you, you know. I appreciate that you brought him up because I certainly do resound with the way that he came to fame in my understanding, which is that it's this concept, which you have to use discretion, but you got to know how to finesse it. And the concept is very much asking for forgiveness instead of permission. Absolutely. Sometimes you just got to do shit. All right. We can figure out the logistics and the paperwork and all that stuff later. Let's just get it underway, especially in consideration of the fact that there's need. It's not like he just wanted to plant like a, a field full of poppies or something, which well, that could lead to other because poppies and opium. Yeah. I said any flower, but I said poppies. He could have just it could have been pinstemon. Did, did I say that right? Hmm. Do you know that flower? No, what's it called? I'll get in the weeds again. Okay, so he could have planted any old ornamental thing, but he was planting food is my point. Let me just stay on track. So I'm glad that you brought him up. And speaking of things that we need more of, well, I guess maybe something we need less of is waste. But something we need more of is mindfulness towards the practice of sustainability. And I know that that is something that is very important to you in your field and how you practice and do business and not wanting flowers to go to waste. So two parts. Let's start with the, what I found surprising to understand there's not a lot of consideration for sustainability in the floral world and some solutions that you implement. I mean, yeah, I'm by no means am I perfect at it but I try to just introduce like sustainable practices where I can as a small business owner in my studio that includes things like using waste for other purposes so like composting a lot of the flower waste and then Mm -hmm. blooms donating them to the botanical dye maker so that they can be used reused and given another life I'm buying flowers where I can and like I use dried flowers for installations often or for Mm. um, flower arrangements. So giving them another life like that. 
but then also just being mindful of like just transporting flowers around the world has a impact on the climate as well you know like flowers have to stay cold so like putting them in refrigerated planes and stuff to travel from like Japan to the U.S. you know so that we can have beautiful Japanese blooms like there's definitely different impacts on the climate that we have to deal with with those things. So when possible, mm. like as much as possible, I try to use local flowers. And I do that mostly by using seasonal products. In a lot of my arrangements, I really try to shop by season. When I'm shopping by season, then I'm able to get things that are grown during this season locally for a good price because locally grown things doesn't necessarily mean that they're less expensive so but shopping seasonally allows me to kind of hit both marks that definitely also plays into just a sustainable practice in in how how we run our business at Olive. it is important to understand that we should respect the many ways that we can get enjoyment out of Something as simple and gorgeous as a flower, a cut flower. Yeah. Have you grown any flowers? I mean, I've grown flowers. I haven't grown flowers and then used them in arrangements. Is Uh, that on your agenda? That is. I mean, so my dream was to get like a studio space with a little outdoor area that I can. Oh, I can see it. Right. And like, I guess it could still happen, but a yard, right. Just like a little yard. And then I grow like my own flowers. And like during the warmer months, I use those flowers, like incorporate those flowers into my arrangements. I think it'd be so fun. But this year, since I don't, my studio does not have an outdoor space other than a rooftop, which I guess I can figure out how to do that. But I just like a community, like there's a community garden down the street from my apartment. I'm thinking that it would be fun to just have like a small plot of land in the community garden and then grow flowers that way. So that might be a spring, summer 2021 situation working towards. I'm glad that you mentioned that. When you go in there, something worth looking into, because generally when you go and you get a community garden plot, there's a little bit of paperwork that comes with it. There's some conditions or stipulations around having it in usage. And one of those stipulations generally is no commercial use, but it depends on where, it just depends on where you're. I just want to bring that to your attention and to anybody listening. If you are going to basically borrow land in order to do whatever you're trying to do, at least look into it. Cause I still stand by what I said about Ron Finley asking for forgiveness and not permission. Sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. Okay. Just know what the regulations are is the best that I can say. That's so interesting. I mean, that makes complete sense though, or else everybody mm-hmm. would just, okay, dope. I was just like, <laughs> Grow my own I'm not saying don't do it. Like uh, I would be with you right there. Like, oh, they coming, girl. Cut them right quick. But <laughs> or no, she would never do that. What are you talking about? But <laughs> I mean, yeah, I definitely haven't even thought through like the logistics of how that would even work because it's like, yeah. But dreamland, you know, and like yeah. maybe we'll start. We'll start a little bit, but I do have like grow herbs and vegetables. Can you speak to the use of herbs in floral arrangements? Is that a thing? Yeah, that's a thing. Sometimes I use like rosemary in my rosemary bush, like gorgeous. I love using rosemary in my flowers. I've used lavender, fresh and dried. 
Yeah. Are you familiar with hyssop? Is that how you say H-Y-S-S-O-P? Yeah. yeah, I am. I haven't designed with that, but I went to an herb garden uh, or like herb farm uh, mm-hmm. last summer and I tasted through a bunch of um, different hyssops. You tasted it? Yeah, so good. Okay, I've been organizing my seeds the last couple of days and I came across that seed and I had to look it up because I was like, I'm not familiar with this. I've seen the name. That's about as much as I know. Yeah. But when I looked it up and I found out that it's kind of like a minty type of situation and, you know, it's basically, I I categorize it in my herb section. Yeah. So I was just like, ooh, growing herb. I mean, arrangements with herbs. Let's talk about that. I'm like, into it. Right. I mean, so I tasted regular hyssop and there's also anise hyssop that was really good. Ooh, I, like I, don't black have I love oh. black licorice though. That was oh, <laughs> that makes you like a part of a very special minority of people. I, black licorice. Do you like black jelly beans? Yeah, I love I love the See? black flavor. Like yes, I will take all the black jujus. I just take all the black licorice. So tell our soil cousins what's unique about olive floral besides you being the owner of it and why they should come and check you out when they are oh. in the area. Yeah, when you're in New York, then check me out. I mean, our style kind of, I think, sets all of you apart from other floors. Like, I just really like to showcase the natural beauty of each element in a flower arrangement. So, like, flowers just are so beautiful on their own, you know? So, I like to have, like, a very wild design style. I use a lot of greenery. I use a lot of different textures. I like using unique flowers that are not typically seen necessarily in your grocery store. Just like interesting color. I'm always very focused on color. So I sell arrangements typically based on palettes. So it's like, I'll come with either a neutral color palette or a Mm -hmm. colorful palette people can choose from. So color is like definitely our leading point for Olive, but it's definitely a wild, natural aesthetic. Almost like you went into a garden and just like grabbed a bunch of flowers and you have all these beautiful textures and colors <laughs> I love that. And colors, colors in each in each bouquet or each arrangement. Just so snatched a bunch of flowers. Yeah, I, I like to have that wild aesthetic. But then when you're looking at it, it also still is refined, you know, like we'll still design yes. it in a way that looks refined, but the um, feeling behind it is like a lush, natural wild aesthetic it's like kind of organized chaos exactly yeah story of my life and like different pops of oh look at that one oh my god look at that one because oftentimes when i'm designing i'm like noticing the different flowers in each arrangement too it's just like oh wow look what that one's doing you know like I think yeah. it's really fun for me. <laughs> it should be. I mean, that is the whole point as we discussed so thoroughly in this conversation okay. is that you were looking for a lot more joy in your day-to-day source of, you know, how, how you're sustaining yourself and yeah. also being considerate of the sustainability of it all as wanting to have your carbon footprint not be out here looking like Shaquille O'Neal and stuff. So shout out to you. How we keep up with you? What's your, what's your handles and oh, website? Yeah. Follow and me stuff? on Instagram. I'm at all of these floral. What's your, you got a website? I mean, let 
you got to toot your horn now so we can all get yeah. down with them. Okay. Yeah, you can visit my website. You can sign up for my mailing list, alloveefloral.com. Yes. <laughs> all of that. I'm just making sure we, the people can right. hear, you know, with it being a podcast and audible and things. Thank you. So we will get all of that, all those details in the episode notes. And of course, as I tell everyone who I have the pleasure of having conversations with on Black in the Garden, I want to wish you love, light, and soil. Thank you.